What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan and finally Tyler. And uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight. There's been a Board of Governors meeting day two. The Red Wings suck in overtime, but had a decently successful road trip. We are missing a key piece of our defense and David Perron hit a thousand games. But I want to get how you guys are doing tonight before we kick it all off, because it is a ton of stuff we have to put into about an hour. Ryan? I'm good. I finally, uh, I can take the blur off after one week in the office here because I got the wall done. Very happy with that DIY project. Thank you. If you're not watching on YouTube, go on YouTube and look at Ryan's wall. Yeah, on YouTube. Sorry. Put up some planks for those that can't see it. Painted it a nice shade of green as an accent wall, if you will. So, yes, it's green. It's not. It looks very gray on camera. It does look gray on the camera, but it is, in fact, a green. It is a nice, subtle color. But uh, adds a little spice to the room. I sort of hang some shit up. But other than that, I'm doing pretty good. I've been a little hectic the past several days, so I haven't been able to see too much of the Wings game, but I caught some highlights and read some sad things. So we'll see how it goes. Tyler? Yeah, I've I've been so busy with with real life that uh, that I haven't watched a lot of the games. But I will say I did watch the Tampa game. I did watch the Dallas game. And I caught none of the Vegas game. I caught none of the Florida game. But I I, I am up to date. Didn't miss much of Florida. What's going on? Um, yeah, I didn't miss much from that game. I did watch some of the highlights of of all of them. So um, definitely plugged in. But I'm doing well for the most part. Um, things are starting to get a lot slower, which I'm glad of. So glad to be back. Real life sucks. It Working life, win the lottery. That's that's our motto. So my wife made me um, turn off the Florida game so she could watch the crown that tells you how terrible the Florida game was. Uh, it was real bad. Yeah, it was real bad, guys. Um, but I'm I'm also doing well. Like you said, shit's busy, man. Like life life comes at you fast. But my wife is quitting work uh, as of December 30th to be a stay at home mom. So I'll have that going. Oh, and did someone get a raise? I've gotten several. I've been waiting, telling her to wait, and then a year would go by, and I'd tell her to wait again, and then a year would go by until I felt comfortable doing it. But yeah, I uh, got a new bonus structure and got a raise, and oh. I'm getting employees next year, so I'm going to be fancy. Mr. Bossman over here. See, I've got a strict limit on when Chelsea's allowed to be a stay, like be stay at home, and we are far from that. So unfortunately, she has to not be able to enjoy her day to day and still work. She's on paternity, though, so we're both. I can't really contribute to this conversation. Shut up, I don't Tyler. have kids, and I don't have a girlfriend. So uh, until, until the I get a girlfriend, the then, then we can start to get closer to that that point. But we're not. You have zero responsibilities that. other than just making sure that you have food to eat. So you know who has responsibilities? The NHL and the Board of Governors meetings are happening right now. And positive news: positive news coming out of the Board of Governors meetings. Gary Bettman had said, actually, was it Bettman? Yeah, it was. He projected the cap has a potential to rise significantly as much as $4.5 million after being frozen for the last three seasons as a result of the pandemic interruption on business, uh, as published by Frank Saravalli and the Daily Faceoff. Speaking of the Daily Faceoff, um, they get a lot of good shit comes out like real quick. So if you're not following the Daily Faceoff, uh, go follow them. But yeah, day two of the meetings, $4.5 million is a big hike. And I think, again, that works into Dylan Larkin's favor. That works into the favor of most Sider and Lucas Raymond, who I would push to get signed next season instead of waiting until their contract runs out and they blow up again. Uh, I mean, both of them are having a... I mean, Raymond is having a slightly down-scoring season. He's been really effective. And Mo has picked it up, but he's still under where he was last season. So I think if you can get them to sign in the offseason, this offseason coming up, I think you're going to save a bunch of money there. And getting a 4.5 million bump up to 4.5 million, because watch it be three, but even three is pretty significant. Uh, it's, it's just going to help the, the Red Wings cap situation, especially if now you look at the Vancouver Canucks are saying, hey, Bo Horvat, he just rejected his last offer. He's up for trade. Um, David Pasternak still hasn't signed anything with Boston. He reportedly hates Sweeney. And Sweeney got an extension. So does he? Yeah. Someone had reported that if it, that Pasta said if Sweeney remained the GM, he would not resign with Boston. I did hear that. I, I I don't know that I buy it because 
you know, at one point or another, money is 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 what talks. And you know, if the Bruins offer him the most money, he's going to stay there. Even with an aging out core, he's going to stay there with an aging out core. I mean, if again, I mean, I mean, if he wants to win a Stanley Cup, I mean, then then maybe he should look elsewhere. But if he's you know a loyal Boston Bruin, which it seems like he is, um, I, th- I think he'll he'll take money. Um, but I will say one thing: I don't know that he's going to take a hometown discount like Bergeron did or like Marchand did or like a lot of those other guys did. So, um, you know, that's that's rough sledding if you're the Bruins because Pasternak, I mean, is really one of the only guys you can kind of build around him and McAvoy. So, I don't know. There's your Bruins moment. <laughs> Another interesting name that comes up in free agency this offseason is Vladimir Tarasenko. And with the way that the Blues are going right now, I if I'm Tarasenko, I don't want to stay there. Ryan O'Reilly, I think, is a free agent too. Both guys are coming into a contract here, but they're both on the wrong side of 30. Tarasenko will be 31 uh, tomorrow, and O'Reilly turns 32 in February. So I'm not really, I mean, I'd only be interested in Ryan O'Reilly for like a depth role. If you had him in a depth guy just to bring some toughness to the the team, he's going to command top six minutes because he's Ryan O'Reilly, but he, I think you'd be able to play him on your second line, depending on how it shakes out. I just think he, I wouldn't overpay him and I wouldn't give him a long contract, which is what he's going to be looking for. But I think Tarasenko still has a lot of scoring left in him. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much injury he has left in him because he's had some rough seasons. I mean, I would rather take the flyer on Tarasenko. O'Reilly's still one of the top two-way guys in hockey, you could argue. So if you brought that in for three, four years, that's going to go right into the wings window, ideally, right? You would think, right? I mean, if you bring yeah. him in, then if it lets a guy like Marco Casper come over, get another two-year buffer, if you will. I mean, you're playing through now. You've got a top center in O'Reilly. You've got, I shouldn't even say top center, but you got a top two-way center in O'Reilly with Larkin, Cop, maybe Casper. That's not including... You know, Raz, how he's been playing and how, how the roster shakes out. So I like the idea of O'Reilly, but I like the, I really like the idea of Tarasenko because they need goal scoring. And that is what he does very, very well. Yeah, especially, I mean, he's like a depth goal scoring guy at this point. You know, he's not probably a top six guy at this point. Maybe. I mean, I guess it depends on the team. Uh, O'Reilly interests me a lot. Because I think he's still one of the more underrated players in the NHL. Like, he's a good captain, a good leader. He could bring some veteran presence to this team that still doesn't – I wouldn't say they don't have it, but but they, they don't have a guy like O'Reilly, I don't think. And, and you know, Sure they do. You think? They have David Perron. Okay, but O'Reilly's a better player than Perron. I mean, big, biggest I, thing is O'Reilly's still their, their 1C in St. Louis. Yeah. Vlad's on their second line, but he's – hankering their wing on the first power play and O'Reilly's centering their second power play unit on top of their top PK unit. So O'Reilly's still playing in all situations and getting top line minutes. So, yeah, I've always been an O'Reilly guy. I think he's, like I said, I think he's still one of the more underrated players in the NHL. Yeah. He's getting older, but I mean, we brought the, the one thing I do hate about this whole conversation here, other than Tarasenko is the fact that we signed Andrew cop to be the second line center. And, um, you know, he's played better as of late, but I mean, it's still, it's still not what we expected. I don't think. I mean, he was hurt. We've talked yeah, that about that true. part of it too. And I think that he's finally getting his legs under him. And we've, we hit on that as well. And I think he's actually looked much better, but to bring in a, in all situations, guy like O'Reilly next year, it'd be great. And also be hilarious because one by one, we've been sniping guys off St. Louis that have been some of their better players. And that during doing O'Reilly or Tarasenko would be icing on the cake. And it'd be the funniest goddamn thing ever. You could do an O'Reilly, Fabry, and Perron line, the whole St. Louis line. <laughs> I think I think Soul U City would have a heart attack at that point. I think that though, what we really what I'd really like to look at, and, and if money isn't an option because it does go up like that, Bo Horvat, I mean, what better to see could you get through acquisition than Bo Horvat? Who, but he's going to command. My thing is, he's going to command a lot of money. That's a thing. So he's 27. So he's going to be give it to me, and he's going to be one term. If you're trying to sign him, you're probably going to give have to give him max term, which would be fine. 
but he's going to want max term at around the probably $8 million, seven to $8 million price tag, which I'm not sure if I'm okay with. Even he's though having a cap pretty is good year, up. too. He's pacing to a career year. He's on a terrible Vancouver team. That team is so, you would think with Pedersen and with Hughes, they'd be doing better, but it's just, it's, that's it. It's Pedersen and Hughes. He's just over a point per game right now. His his career high is 61 points back in 2018-19. If he keeps at his rate right now, he's going to be blowing away his career high. So it's I like it. And then I think I think from the start that the plan was always to move Andrew Kopp to the wing. You need him as your center for now because our center depth is bad. But then you drafted a guy like Marco Casper, who you hope is ready within the next couple two to three seasons. But if you go and get a guy like Bo Horvat, then, I mean, Marco Casper at, at the end of the day becomes your three C until Horvat gets old and ages out or gets traded, or you move him to the wing and you move cop to the wing. So I, there's moves that can be made and the cap going up only extends those moves or allows you to give Larkin the over $9 million you owe him because you need to get that contract. I mean, you don't need to get done now, but it's going to get done. And thanks a lot to the hockey news for trying to stir shit with their giant Larkin picture. But I think that, that it'll, it'll get done, but a salary cap bump, I think might make Iserman feel a little bit more comfortable in giving Larkin a little bit more money. Now to that point, obviously we know there's going to be some decent contracts that have to come out from Detroit, but is, are we going to see more money allocated toward the forward group? I don't think you're going to spend a lot of money defensively because, because we're we going to have just having those guys coming up. You're going to have Edvinson. Yeah. You'll have Edvinson coming in. You'll have Hansen. Yeah. So there's two defensemen right there. You're already Sobrango. Who knows? Uh, Sobrango got sent down to Toledo Two, I can see two years for Sobrango. I mean, best case situation or best case scenario. My thing there is that you've got Ben Sherratt, who I think pretty soon here was probably going to be moved off the top pair with Cider. Um, because not that Ben Sherratt himself is a boat anchor because he does good things, um, but he's anchoring Cider right now. Uh, I, I think he'll get moved. I would, I struggle swapping Mata and Sherratt because we all know Hironic is not the best defensively, and if you give him a very bad defensive partner, that's going to be a terrible second pair. But... I'm I'm not going to throw a lot of money into defense because of what we have coming up in the pipeline with defense. And we've already got people locked up. I honestly, at the end of this season, what do we sign Mata for two or do we sign Mata for one? Mata is one year. Yeah. So I would extend Mata at the end of the season and he's under 32. So I would extend him because he's been, I mean, absolutely solid. That's the guy we, you've been kind of looking for. We have three defensemen under contract for next season. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you move up Edvinson because you figure he'll be ready. Uh, Albert Johansson also looks more than ready. So there's two guys you could move in. They're both lefties, but you could slide one to the right. So you sign Wallman for another couple years because Wallman's been good coming back from injury. And I think scratching him is what kind of screwed them over in the Florida game. And you figure that your, your D is pretty good. I think the forwards are, are where you're going to kind of play a little bit of a of a shuffling game there and maybe bring something in and trade some stuff out towards the deadline. I mean, the other, the other thing you can think of too, like if there's a trade that makes sense that, that you think, you know, doesn't put you over the top per se, but that makes you a better defense core. I mean, yes, signing Mata or re-signing Mata would be good. Um, you know, a good start, but like, you know, what if Chikrin comes available and uh, absolutely not, not a fan. No, not okay. with the, all the injury. Okay, but what about someone like Chikrin? Someone like, you know, coming to be a, a you know, be, becoming a free agent or getting closer to being a free agent who kind of fits into the wings window. I know Edvinson, we s- seem to think that that's going to be the guy. Um, I think most of the good teams have at least three good defensemen. Um, so, I mean, you know, if you can get to that point where you have three, not anchors, but three really solid defensemen with Cider. And then, you know, Edvinson, and then it's got to be one up, one other. Do you think it's Mata or you think it's someone that comes up or is it a trade? I guess that that's that question is remains to be answered. But, yeah, that's that's kind of what I think. And I don't think they really need to spend a whole ton of money on on the defense. So, Matt, Tyler, is uh, your roommate OK? 
Yeah, he's watching the Patriots game. I, I assume they're not doing well. Uh, Mac Jones just got sacked, I believe. I see Arizona all doing one of those full-team defense celebrations right now. Uh, if we look at defense, so the 2023 free agent defense class, you've got John Klingberg, you've got Matt Dumba, you've got Eric Johnson, you've got, it's not great, Dmitry Orlov, who's a million years old. He's going to be 32. You've got ghosts, so Shane Goss is coming up, Oscar Clefbaum. Is Oscar Clefbaum even, he's not even playing. Damon Severson, Brian Dumoulin, Jake Gardner, Kevin Shattenkirk. So nothing at the top of that class really. Dumoulin's uh, a pretty good defenseman. But I'm not looking for pretty good. I'm looking for what's going to help more than what we already have. And there's not really anything there. And if you look, even if you look out to 2024, Tyler Myers, Jake Muzzin, uh, Alec Martinez is up in 2024. Brady Shea is up in 2024. So, I mean, Brady Shea is 30 years old already. Tony D'Angelo, you want, you want some Tony D in your life? Absolutely not. So I just nothing is exciting coming up in the next two seasons for free agent defensemen, where I think what we already have can fill in the gaps that the gaps that we have, honestly. Trade Burt for a defenseman. There you go. So I think you can fill the the spots that you have with people within the organization and then move on from there. And if like you said, Ryan, if you're trading Bertuzzi, I'm trading Bertuzzi for Bo Horvat. Those are two guys on expiring contracts that I mean, you figure if you can't get a deal done with them or if the other one fits your team better, then you go with that. But I don't think Burt fits Vancouver. Between him and Fabry, I think those are your best trade chips. And maybe you can sweeten something up for Zadina to get a guy that's younger on the, on the decor. But I, I don't really want to get hopes up either one way or the other because it's so far out at this point between the trade deadline and the offseason that we can have a whole conversation on that at some other point, And I think we'll be just fine to go back to the free agent defenseman, John Klingberg. Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. Eight nope. points in what? 21 games or something like that. A minus 14 on the worst team in the NHL, the ducks. But I mean, still he's, he, he took he the one on himself and lost so far, so far. Yeah. But he's on a really bad team. So I mean, does that mean he's going to cash in? or could? Because if you can get John Klingberg on a really short, like another one-year deal, I mean, I would do it. Is he a, I, is he a better alternative than Gus Lindstrom? Yes. I, Tyler, what do you what do you mean they're a really bad team? They have Trevor Jesus on their team. Uh, how, yeah, how are uh, they so bad? Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, Zegers is a great player, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> Anaheim is not a good team. They're playing Ottawa. That's why could I said have fooled that, but, me. But – they're not a good team. We all know that. I mean, I, I don't tell that to the pundits. I don't want to, to give John Klingberg a long contract like he's probably looking for. But, I mean, you could get him on a one-year bet on himself kind of deal, and then he could really cash in. I mean, he's, what, 30 years old now, so that he would be 31 after next year, maybe 32. I mean, I'd take him on a cheap two-year flyer. Yeah, two-year flyer. I mean, he's not a bad defenseman. He's certainly supposedly an offensive defenseman. He put up some pretty good numbers with Dallas. So I don't know. It's a, it's definitely something I would think about. I just don't think you need to do it. I I, I mean, if you're stretching you to get to, to that, you could. You could, but then who? Why not just say, hey, maybe if if Klingberg put up those numbers, puts up, continues putting up this rate of numbers this season. You could say, hey, maybe Albert Johansson can do the exact same thing. Or maybe Simon Edmondson can do that plus more. So I'm not really worried about that. Uh, what I'm worried about is how we ended this road trip and losing 5-1. to one. When me and Ryan recorded last week, we had come off the high of an amazing Tampa Bay Lightning defeat. And then we go out uh, for some reason, and I don't think an answer was ever given as to why Lone Scratch Wallman just keep stating, at, like you said it earlier today, it was a coach's decision. That's what. That's all we Great. got. Um, bad. He can add the adjective bad in front of coach's decision. Terrible coaching decision. Yeah. But I think that uh, Olimata being sick, he's still sick, uh, was not at practice today. We lost. Sounds like he's going to gonna be day-to-day for the short sure. term. 
And we lost 5-1 to one to the Florida Panthers. A Corsi 4 of 33.3 and a Fenwick 4 of 35 during that game. We did not control the puck. We looked bad. People trashed, absolutely trashed Ned. Where I can say at least three of those goals were not Ned's problem. It was just zero defense, no clearing in front of the net, no moving guys out of the way, and just terrible defense. It was a game where like you, you feel like they've got three really good games or two really good games, three in a row, and then they just come out and they put up a game where they look like they don't care. Like two goals happen, two random goals happen, and then they just give up for the rest of the game. And that's what it looked like during that one. Uh, really bad showing. And then they come out against Dallas. And they lose in overtime, which that's another subject we'll touch on in a minute. But that game wasn't bad. That was a good game, that Dallas game. Uh, Through the whole thing, they had a Corsi 4 of 44 and a Fenwick 4 of 43. So Dallas controlled the game more. But the showing was good. That Florida game was atrocious, though. And they come out of the road trip with five points. Yeah, that game was pathetic. I I didn't watch that game alive, but I did see the highlights and, and that game was absolutely pathetic. That was exactly like um what was the game earlier in the season? Doesn't matter. I think it was New Jersey where they just couldn't make a pass. They couldn't do shit in that game. And and I mean yeah everyone gives Ned shit for giving up five goals, but you know, not a good game from top to bottom. They sucked from head to toe, as Torch would say. But what what game is that where they come out where Ned's in goal and they absolutely perform like shit? Why do they do this every time Ned's in goal? It makes and no they sense. They did the same thing with Grice before the two two years ago, or even last year, if you want to go that far with it. Uh, it's it's like they carried they've carried this over the last several years, and I, I don't get where it comes from. It's they're riding the hot hand to a T, if you will, where the fans are taking that high. We know in Houston's in that we get excited. It seems maybe the team is getting that way because they got out shot in this Florida game, 41 to 20. And five of those 41 shots were goals. Not a good day. And it was like they had like through the second period, we're up to like 30 something shots. Yeah. The second period, they got outscored four to one. So that was that just tells you everything you really need to know about that. I mean, the highlight is that Berggren got a power play goal again. That was great from Cop and Raymond. Other than that, not good. Really not good. You go into the, off that Tampa game and you're like, well, maybe they got some energy. Maybe they're going to ride that through, say we really got this. There's articles coming out saying the team expects to win. It's a different energy in the locker room. And then you watch the Florida game and you go, what, what are you talking about? Different energy in the locker room. You look like you had zero. And like, like I said, it's like, it seems like they do this every time Ned's in net is they come out like this. So I don't know why maybe it's a mental thing. Like, Hey, coach is playing backup. Maybe we shouldn't try, but that doesn't make any sense because the team is performing well. I think they're still in a wild card. No, they're officially one, one spot they dropped out, out. So it's, but I mean, you're one spot out. You're two games, maybe from getting back in the actual, like in the actual division they're tied with the caps and one point behind the rangers and two behind the aisles and i'm not sure the rangers are currently tied with the devils at the start of the third period so yeah they're gonna need them to lose at this point but the entire ranger fan base is calling for galan to be fired too so i think it's a little early to, to start looking at scoreboard watching i think you know just take care of your is own business the- yeah yeah, no. a third of the way through the season. Yeah, but take care of your own business, and that'll all take care of itself. Well, I mean, yeah, but we, I mean, we're talking about the business they're not taking care of, and now that we're seeing the outcome from that, because they went from sitting in third in the division to now they're sitting one outside the wild card. So it's going to be this roller coaster for the remainder of the year. Now, I, I said it last week, is that once we get to All Star break and past that is where it is going to truly matter. But these games are still going to matter. And we already we've talked about really the last month that the month of December is going to be huge. And to take away how many points did they get? They got five Five out of eight points. Not bad. Not terrible. I mean, they they could have played themselves out of it, you know, very good to shift the bet against Columbus. So, I I mean, I think they did well against teams that are considered playoff caliber. So, but they need to keep that going. And this week's going to be interesting because we know that Huso is playing 
But now we've got Helberg in the mix because he's he's apparently officially done with his conditioning stint, which he tore it up in Grand Rapids. And now he is officially back on the roster. So are we going to see a Helberg start over Ned? So the word as of today from Lalone is that uh, Huso will play tomorrow, which is yep. uh, Tuesday. He might play both. He could play both. Uh, Lalone said any of the three goalies could play that second game. So it's, I mean, Ned's on the hot seat partially for his own fault, but also partially because the team has played like garbage in front of him. And to go back to your point, Ryan, is that they let in like three goals in the second period or four. Uh, when the Wings trail after two, they are 0-7 and three. They not have great. Not, yeah, they have not won a game after trailing in the second period. Even if it's by one goal, they have lost every single game. Yeah, they need oh. to turn that around. That's uh, that's certainly something that that can be turned around, uh, especially given the fact that they do have some players on the team that can put the puck in the net. They do have a pretty tough team, I would say. Uh, and you know, I mean, that that uh, that comes down to not giving up, really. I mean, that's being resilient, and and they haven't done that so far this year. But they still have the opportunity to show it. There's still a lot of games left, and and you know, some really good opponents coming up here. So. When they lead after two, conversely, they are 10-0-2. They have uh, one in regulation 10 games where they lead after the second period and have lost two of them in overtime. So it's, I mean, it's it's a night and day thing. They just need to to come on heavy at the beginning and score a bunch of goals. That's what they need to do, which, and then play good defense and not let your goalie get absolutely demolished. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I kind of want to see Helberg just to see if he's got his pads back in. That's, he said that's they were on I, their way. I know. I, I'm, that's where I'm at selfishly. But I, I, I hope for the sake of the mental aspect that Ned can get on, on track because we, I, I, it's for excited as we was, we thought this could be one of the best goalie tandems in hockey. And unfortunately, that has fallen flat on its face. Huso has been every bit of the MVP, if you want to arguably for this team. That has been the exact opposite. Not all of it has been necessarily his fault, but we can very simply point at several goals that have been like, dude, you got to make that save. Real, because if he, did, if he makes that piece. save, that leads to you're tied into a period. You're maybe in the lead going into another period. Like that, it's It's been costly moments where he's let in what you could consider a soft goal. And Hopefully that changes. Maybe with Helberg there, it lights a new fire under his ass or something, but something's off. He is not the same person that we saw last season, and it's it's worrisome. Yeah, I go back to the Buffalo game in Buffalo where, you know, it was a pretty close game. Um, I think it was – I don't want – don't, don't you know – don't this, quote Tyler. Don't quote me directly on this, but it was one of those games where, you know, if they would have scored a goal, they would have been within one. And I think they went down two, and then the game just kind of went to shit. Uh, and Ned did not play in that play well at all in that game. He gave up some really bad goals. And I mean, it's kind of snowballed from there. So, uh, you know, he needs to be better. But we, we all know that he needs to be much better. And that's like, he knows that, um, you know, I'm sure it's between the years, too, at this point. So. Tomorrow, we need to see a really, really good effort. Like, they need to come out of that last game. And, and Dallas was a good effort. But they need to take that Florida game and just keep looking back on it. And they even said, like, one of the big problems, especially in Dallas, was overtime. Our overtime is abysmal. It is so bad. They controlled nearly three minutes of that three-on-three overtime and had, like, zero shots on that. And it's just they kept looking for a pass instead of getting the puck on the net. And then Larkin drops a pass to where he thought Sherratt would be. Sherratt was going the other way. Dallas gets the puck and they score. So it's it's just that was a, a winnable game because of how much you controlled that puck. And if you would have gotten maybe two, three, four shots on that, you might have won. But you chose not to shoot the puck. And that's they said they practiced three on three today because of how bad that was. But it's like you look at all these when the Red Wings are playing overtime games, they're losing. Yeah, it's not great. And the other thing is, too, they do have the personnel on this team uh, that can that can play a three-on-three game. I mean, they have sure. good players. They have players that can put the puck in the back of the net. I know that they're not scoring the way that they would like to be, um, 
But, you know, they do have the personnel that should be able to win a game in three-on-three overtime. They should, but they don't. And it goes – what's what's getting frustrating, too, you mentioned Larkin on the drop pass. He's been a little frustrating to watch in overtime as well because he actually is the one that's trying to make things happen, but then he forces it, and it has screwed the team multiple times. He's obsessed with the wraparound try in overtime, and I don't know why. I don't mind it five-on-five five or, you know, during regulation. But doing it in three-on-three, three, has it worked once? Because I can think off offhand, it's led to either a rough try or a turnover back the other way several times over. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't. I mean, this is this goes really without being said. But I mean, you can't turn the puck over in three on three overtime, especially when it's one of those shots that you know you miss the net. It comes all the way around, and now they have a two on one going back the other way. It's you. You talk about that, but then you also talk about the wraparound. I mean. Yeah, it could just sit right out in front of the net. All of a sudden, you got a three-on-two going He's back. Not Connor McDavid, yeah, the master of the the rap. I mean, he is, you know, early in his career was good at it. I think goalies at this point understand that he's going to try it. So, I mean, do something else. He's, he's got to do something else. You know, maybe hold the puck and actually cycle things, and don't put your team in a negative situation. I mean, you talk about you know that wraparound, but like. You know, three on three, as we all know, is all about puck possession. And if you don't possess the puck and you turn it over, I mean, you're one one play away from being, you know, a three on two or a two on one or even a two on oh back the other way. So can we just talk about the fact that I hate that teams intentionally carry it back out of the offensive zone. I wish that would be a, an immediate pl- call play dead face off violation. <laughs> I, I wish immediate turnover, like a free kick in soccer. Put it back in the defensive zone. The home team plays it out from behind. The, or the, the opposing team gets it behind their net, and they play it out. It drives you know, me freaking crazy. Usually, I would I would say that I don't agree with you because I don't want the NHL or hockey in general to do anything that basketball does. Uh, but that would certainly be a good idea. Um, you know, hate it. People, I hate it. People, people have said, like, maybe do, like, a shot clock or something. I don't like that idea. But, but I do like that you can't. You know, once you're in the zone, you can't take it back out unless it comes out on its own. I, I do like that idea. I mean, let, let it be a discretion call. I'll be okay with it by that point. But if you intentionally bring the puck out of the zone, it should be either blown dead or something because three on three is there to create chaos. By doing that, it wastes at least 30 seconds of game time. And, and it's, it's so the, makes boring. It the biggest fucking joke of hockey. And I hate it. That's that's my old man yells at cloud rant for the day. Yeah, well, I mean, you w- when three on three first came in, it was like fire wagon, electric, hockey, electric, and you know teams have found a way to, for lack of a better term, hockey this this wonderful three on three that that you know was was created, and basically, so as the NHL or you know the Department of you know, rules and whatever you need to go and you need to fix the rule. Is there a department of rules? I, I don't know. There is a major league. Baseball, I think it's called so the board of governors. I just wanted to make it sound good. Yeah. I guess the board of governors. So hey, NHL a- department of rules, get your shit together. Oh God. I just think if there was actually a department of rules, how much that would get shit on. It'd probably be actually worse than the department <laughs> of player safety. But, but no, to be, to go back to the original point, like when, when something doesn't work properly, the the rule committee or the board of governors need to just look at it and say, Hey, look, this is broken. We need to fix it. And I, I don't think it would be that hard to shoot out. Fuck off with that. Um, but, but no, seriously, what? the shootout's a joke. It Tyler, is a joke, but you Tyler have to end the game somewhere. The or another. We're not going to ties. As you should. They're not Why should you get a point? Ties. Because you didn't be, No, you either win the game during play or you don't. It's simple as that. Because why does a shootout count as a win, but the guy that scores the winning shootout goal doesn't get a goal? Well, that, then we can change that. I'd be fine with that. Or get rid of it. Nope. Three, two, They're one not point get rid system. Of I, think, I, I think the only way you can do this in, in, a, in a timely manner is do what you said, not, not be able to carry the puck out. Do a 10-minute three-on-three overtime. And I know you hate this, but the game has to end, and someone has to win, and someone has to lose. So it has to end in a shootout. The only sport I will disagree with, I'll agree that someone has to win or lose is football. Would you? 
in basketball because that doesn't make sense. Would you go two on two? No. The onus it would put on wins in regulation would be it would up the ante in the simplest of games like no other. What what if you just what if you just said like a win in overtime was three points and and, and a win in a shootout was only it's, two? It's if you nope. win, if you win in regulation, you get three points. If you win in overtime, you get two points and the loser gets one point. If you okay, tie what about the, a shootout? No, I would no, no loser. No shootouts. Nope. Overtime, no loser point. You know, Absolutely you know not. the NHL is not getting rid of the shootout. You realize that, right? No, because it's it's their garbage skills competition and their only way to declare a winner, but it's not necessary. I mean, in a perfect world, we would just say, you know what? It's five on five for 10 minutes, four on four for 10 minutes, three on you three kill, for 10 minutes. You absolutely not kill your that. players that way. You kill your players doing that. I would do a four on four or a three on three for an extended 10 minute overtime. And then that's it. I mean, I personally, I, I don't see the I don't see the problem in doing a 10 minute three on three overtime. And then if it doesn't end there, which most of them are going to end there, then it's a shootout. No shootout. Nah. Nope. And in a tie. It's it's never going to happen. I'm glad we're having this debate on here because we did have it on Twitter. Uh, if you all remember. So. Yeah, yeah I'm just- still wrong. Yep, yep. Me and me and Ryan will win. Ryan, it's okay it's, to be wrong. It's two against one. That means you're wrong and we win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the last thing I kind of want to talk about tonight, and it might be a couple things. Let's see. Oli Mata's out sick. And Oli Mata's absence has really exposed what this team is without Oli Mata. Um, precisely that uh they're very not great defensively. Um not having him and Walmart at the same time is really, really bad. Oh, I agree. It is very bad. And it it shouldn't be this bad, but like the Wallman thing was a choice. Like why the only Mata thing's not a choice. He's sick. If we find out about Wallman, I'll be amazed. I don't think we're going to. Oh, we'll never find out about No, Wallman. we're not gonna find out. He probably just scratched him. He thought it's not gonna know. be the Burr Halter Reina drama situation that we have on the US soccer team. If you look at Oli Mata's stats on the season. Right now, Olimata's averaging, uh, he's averaging 19 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time per game. His on-ice safe percentage is a 92.5. So you take that off the ice, it's you're just you're losing out on a lot of defensive power there, especially when he's playing with Philip Ronick. And when you we know what happens when you give Philip Ronick a different defensive partner, does not turn out too well. So it's it started in the Florida game and we lost big time and then it carried over to Dallas, which the defense wasn't. I mean, the defense was OK, but it wasn't great. Wallman was back in for Dallas. And I think that was also the big difference. I think Mata being out scratch sick or scratched sick, but sick. And then Wallman being a healthy scratch that completely tanked the team because you bring in Robert Hag, who immediately had a negative impact on the team. And then you bring back in Gustav Lindstrom, who hadn't been playing well since the beginning of the season. So you immediately throw two weak defensemen against a Florida team who, by all accounts, is still pretty good. Um, And it's just it's not a recipe for success. And then you put net in net, which right now is your weaker goalie, no matter how you look at it. And it's like you went into that game going, "Okay, we played really well against Tampa. Well, we need to bring ourselves back down to earth. So we're just going to make our team objectively worse and lose this Florida game by a decent margin. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to play with some natural stat trick to see the line pairings right now. Like Mata out every line that he's a part of in terms of, I should say, every partner that he has, he makes better. Other than Robert Hay, I, that is the only guy that really dragged him down. Other than that, Sherat was eh with him. Him and Wallman together, him, or him and Heronic, they have the most time together at a 49-9, Corsi four and five on five. Or all, yeah, five on five all scores. Everybody else is above a 50, with the exception of Robert Haig. That's how bad he's been this season. So Mata is making everyone better. Him on the ice is great. Wallman, you could argue, is in the same boat. So him with 
Osterley, that's his main partner, is only a 48-2 in terms of Corsi. Wallman and Osterley have been on the ice for seven goals for, one against. Take with that what you will. That's five on five. Those two guys in the lineup are making you better. Having one of them out hurts. Having both of them out really hurt. So hopefully Mata is not going to be gone much longer. Wallman is back in. Looks like whatever it was that was going on has been squashed. So I like, but also hate the way that it was handled in terms of it was a coach's decision and that's all we hear from it, but it is what it is. So as long as it's done and we don't see it again, then I think we'll be okay. But we need those guys in the lineup because they, they are impactful. And they, heck, even Mata and Wallman, they have a 57 Corsi four and just a little over five, six minutes play together. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the the Wallman thing, it's not going to come out. I don't, I don't think. I mean, why would it at yeah. this point? He probably missed a meeting or something. Yeah, it, that's possible. Yeah, I mean, because it, it's not for play. I mean, he's been playing well uh, when he's in the lineup. So, oh, you, did you hear the Lalone presser today? He had, he had everything that he pretty much said about Wallman was praise, and the way that he has managed to change his game to help it make this team better. And be impactful, I think, is, is one of the w- words that he used. So it's it's definitely had to be something silly, but also maybe was a learning moment, if you will, even though he's not necessarily young. The other thing, too, is I think he he was back from injury for a while. Maybe he needed a maintenance day. So they healthy scratched him for a maintenance just so he could get a little bit more rest. But but it, it was I if that wasn't the reason, then scratching him was a pretty bad decision. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check out this. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, so there's one more thing I wanted to touch on before we sign off tonight, and it's back to the Board of Governors meeting, and I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. You all saw the fight that happened at Mullet Arena, right? Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. The fans? Yeah, the fan fight. Yeah, what was, that happened the, at what was up with that? I don't know, but apparently it came out today. Xavier Gutierrez also said that uh, uh, one of the fans, part of their finger was bitten off during that fight. Um, so it got pretty crazy. I mean, college town, um, terrible team, uh, Bruins against, I think it was the Bruins were in town. It was the Bruins, which yeah. in a way is also not surprising. But I don't think it was uh, a Coyotes fan fighting a Bruins fan. I, it looked like it was two Coyotes fans fighting. So, it, uh, yeah, so there was a big fight. Right now, there said the board of, uh, is expected to appraise a fan code of conduct on Tuesday. That's been in the works since the league's inclusion committee uh, for a number of months. The recent incidents of fans throwing items on the ice in New Jersey would fall under that code, but the code is not oh, a direct response. Yeah, a code is not a direct response to that incident. Daily said the board uh, re- will hear a recap on the global series act- uh, activations and execution on Monday. So basically what fans are allowed to do and not to do and when how they're going to be like thrown out of arenas and stuff. I think biting someone's finger off uh, automatically gets you tossed. That's a salt, brother. From an arena. But it goes with like, yeah, we were, we're mad that we're losing. So we're going to throw a bunch of trash on the ice. And maybe I don't know if the team gets fined for that. Because Wasn't that team, after like three or four goals disallowed? Three, they won the game. Huh? Three, no. The Coyotes won the game. No, no, we're, we're talking about the, we're the, talking the Devils. About the Devils. Oh, the Devils. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was bullshit too. That was against Boston again. So I don't know if. Oh, we just got to get rid of Boston. I think that's that's the uh, overall gist of what's happening. The team, I think, would be the ones getting fined for it, though, because you can't find all the people in attendance who are throwing shit on the ice. Like, what are you going to do? Isn't that already a thing that's in the books, though? That if if there's an extended delay because of fan actions, like something happens. I feel oh, it's a penalty on the ice. I take that back. Sure. So maybe they get it is more a penalty penalties. 
Yeah, there, there could be a delay a game or some shit like that, or get misconduct or something that's assessed to the bench. Delay a game. Delay a game, yeah. Sure, but a lot of this stuff happens at the end of the game. Then what are you doing? Nothing. You can't do anything. Unless you start the next game on the penalty kill. You can't do that either. It's not you gotta fair. Kick, you got to kick out 20,000 people? Well, no. What I think they're going to have to do is they're going to find the team. If stuff like that happens, they're going to find the team, and the fans are going to be like, oh, don't want our team to get fined, except for the fans don't give a shit. I was like, say, they're not going to give a fuck. Who cares? They paid to get into the arena. They feel like they can do whatever they want. So I'm not sure how you enforce a fan code of conduct unless it's something that happens during play, like during the game. It's not like you're in a game of slap shot where we're throwing a freaking tire iron out of the crowd and hitting a guy in the face, even though it was a set of keys. But that's besides the point. I'm not throwing a trident to kill someone while riding a horse during this game. It's just not happening. So uh, the last part is Daly said that the next World Cup could be scheduled for 2025, shortly ahead of the Fuck 2026 off. Olympics. He said it's not problematic from a scheduling standpoint. In fact, Daly reiterated, this is the fun part, in fact, Daly reiterated that player participation in the Milan Winter Olympics is not ironclad. And said the NHLPA has been clear that players are not going if they don't get what, they, uh, get what they've normally gotten in relation to terms and conditions with things such as insurance and travel costs. Basically, you know what that tells me? They're not going to the Olympics. You know what's been great? The World Cup. You know why the World Cup's been great? Because the best players in the world are playing for their country. And you know what happened? All of these major leagues, with the exception of the MLS, stopped playing for the World Cup to commence. Oh, Gary Bettman will never do that because he doesn't make any money when that We've had some of the best competition I think I've ever seen in international soccer. It's been fantastic. What's the NHL not doing? Any of that. Why? I don't fucking know. Money. But Money here right. we are. Money. Uh, Gary Bettman is a gremlin who lives in a cave full of gold coins. And uh, when gold coins are not added to that cave, he gets very upset. So uh, doing that does not make him any money. So maybe they can figure out a way to make revenue from the Olympics, or maybe they can find a way to make revenue. They should be able to make revenue from a World Cup of Hockey because they control the whole thing. Like, you're making money that way. I wish the hell they didn't, though. The the World Cup of Hockey was 10 times better when when it was sanctioned by the IIHF, and it was a situation where, you know, they wore the actual Team USA and Team Canada – and not these weird fucking created uniforms. Hey, that the Team North American to... jerseys were amazing. Which I didn't like those at all. No, no, no I, I, I didn't, didn't mind the uniforms they had for that. Also, they're they're dinking around with the US the, the Olympic ones. The only ones that are that are still good are the world junior ones because they don't dick around with those most of the Agreed. time. They're still perfect. We can have a whole conversation on uniforms another day. Again, like I said, but but in terms of like no black and a wings jersey. In, in terms of the World Cup and, and in terms of the Olympic participation, they participated in the Olympics in last year if it wasn't, you know, the, with the COVID conditions in China, I think. I, I think they would have been there. Um, I yeah. think there was there was a deal there to be made. I think they would have been there. I think the NHL is starting to realize that if if you're going to grow the game, you're going to have to go to the Olympics. I think that that secret they're not going to admit that but secretly they haven't figured that out after how many years now and they're still being bullish on it i want to agree with you but i i don't think it's happening I, well, I, we also know how bad the nhl is at marketing right we see that at literally every turn they do something terribly wrong or they miss opportunities or they pick stupid tiktok kid and then he's been a ghost forever yeah so what happened a, with that he's like he got oh that surprisingly guy's i think yeah. he turned out to be an absolutely terrible that guy person. disappeared <laughs> they did zero vetting on that entire process. And it, it's just, it's, they're bad at marketing. So they will never do anything that the fans like because they're only interested in making money. And if the thing that the fans like, they don't, don't think is going to make them for money, wanting to make money, sure. but they just do it poorly. But there are some times you take a hit because you know, it's going to make you more popular and becoming more popular eventually makes you more money. That's how marketing works. Sometimes you have to not make money to make more money a little later on. And the NHL is not about that. They have one of the worst marketing teams on the face of the planet. I can say that. I'm in marketing. And it's just, it's really bad. And like a I lot of Major us- Major League Twitter, Baseball is a lot worse. Sure, but it's the NHL. It, them being worse does not make the NHL good. The NHL is still bad. And a lot of us on Red Wings Twitter 
for some reason are also marketing. So like a lot of us that we talk to, a very large swath of them are also in marketing. And we're all on the same page that if you like let 10 of us from Twitter take over the NHL marketing, you'd make so much more money because you'd stop making fucking stupid decisions. Tyler, your baseball point is baseball's around because it's so much easier to get into other than hockey. Hockey is more niche when you're younger. Baseball is you've got something you can throw. Boom. You're playing baseball. I I will say one thing about hockey and marketing. Like I was talking to someone recently that, that worked, um, you know, in the NHL previously and, and now works in major league baseball. And they talk about like, you know, where the NHL was and and where it is now and, and all that stuff. And the, basically what the person told me was like, you know, the NHL was on a collision course to be bigger than, than the NBA. And then the 1995 lockout happened and all the momentum from the Rangers winning the Stanley cup in one of the biggest cities in the, in the world. Uh, and, you know, the Rangers being an iconic franchise and everything, you know, all that momentum came to a screeching halt because they lost, you know, partial, or did they lose the whole 90, 1995 season? No, they lost partial, they lost partial, right? So the Devils won like a half Stanley Cup or a three-quarter Stanley Cup, whatever. But yes, like the trade. The, yes, the, yeah, you're right. So, but but again, I mean, you know, you talk about that, but I guess my point is is the NHL, I don't know where they want to be. Do they want to be what the NFL and the NBA and what college football are, where it's kind of uh not just not just, you know, regionalized, but it's global or what major league baseball used to be and be kind of like a, you know, a nationwide kind of thing. I don't know. I I don't know. I can't answer that because I I, I feel like they, they say that they want to do that. And then they shoot themselves in the foot by putting fucking games on NHL network that nobody has, unless you have cable. I had to pirate the fucking game on on, on Saturday. It's just, it's annoying. Like, I, I hate to get on the soapbox, but you want to market the game. You want to make the game accessible to people. First of all, the game is not one of those. It's not just a game that that people will, will stumble upon. I mean, I guess now that the games are on ESPN once in a while, but it's not even really on ESPN. It's on ESPN Plus most of the time. So most of the people aren't going to stumble upon that. The, where I thought this was all heading was to have the NHL on ESPN on actual ESPN. So if you're in a bar or you're you you're a kid and, and you're switching from, you know, I don't know, Fox Sports to ESPN and you've never watched a hockey game, oh my God, the Red Wings are playing the Blackhawks or whoever, and you stumble upon that. Now you're hooked because the game is is a game like that where you may not understand all the rules, but it moves fast enough that a kid will be like, oh my God. This game is awesome. Like, how do I learn more about it? And with the internet and everything, you can do so. But if the game's going to be on ESPN Plus, I mean, come on. It, it, they're shooting themselves in the foot, and I know they're doing it for money. I get it. But it makes the, it makes the game more regionalized, more regionalized than it was when they were on NBC. No, not necessarily, because you just made the point that you don't have cable. A lot of people, for some, whatever reason, choose not to have cable. And right now, there's five different NHL games on ESPN Plus right now. There, there would be six, but because of the NHL Network, there's only five. So, and you can right now, you can be watching Connor McDavid skate it in and try to almost score on Marc-Andre Fleury like I just did. Like, the, the games are there to now be seen. It's not where it's just behind that stupid-ass, ridiculous paywall of the NHL's center ice package or what have you. Now it's... I don't even know what ESPN Plus is because I have it included through Verizon. So yeah, I NHL don't know what Power it costs. Play, I think it's called now. Yeah, you have the ability that now because younger folks prefer the streaming content over cable. Yep, and most people have Disney Plus, and Disney Plus comes with ESPN Plus for free. Yep. So it, it's growing. It is growing. To say it's not, I mean, they're setting record in revenue. They did it last year, the most ever. They're on track to already break that this year. So it's not for the lack of trying. They're finally figuring it out. And the way that they've done these contracts between TNT and ESPN is wonderful. Now, TNT, I think, is a much better product than what they've TNT been putting is out there. a million miles better than ESPN will ever be, I think. But the perks of the ESPN broadcast is you get the choice between home and away broadcasts. So unless it's a national broadcast, but that's, again, besides the point. So they're getting there. 
they're just really behind the ball. Yep. And I don't think they'll ever catch up because their marketing blows. I think the biggest thing too, like, you know, you had NHL.tv, which basically became ESPN Plus, which I hate, by the way. That ESPN app is garbage. Absolutely. It's gotten better. I hate it's to gotten say better. it, but it I has agree. gotten a lot better. But it's still hot garbage compared to why, why is there not highlights on the ESPN app like there was for for NHL.tv? And I know you can still go on NHL TV and, and watch the highlights or whatever, but that's annoying. You have to go to two different things. It, one thing that I did see that is kind of cool, they have like an NHL, um, I forget what it's called, but basically like a, a 15 minute thing where you can watch all the highlights from the night before all in one. And it's produced by like Adnan Verd or one of those guys. So. Yeah. I thought they had highlights on ESPN plus I'd have to go back and look, but I'm Nope. No highlight. You can watch the full game again. If you want to, like they put the games on demand, which is cool, I guess, but like just wait for a wood 40 to post his, his rematch highlights of wings games. And you're good. Yeah. I like that. I also go back and, I'll go to the NHL app. It's just, it's kind of annoying. It's like, I used to love going to the NHL app, clicking on like a game. Get a five minute highlight reel. Five minute highlight reel. Not just that, but like also you can like, say you're watching a game or or there's a game going on right now and you click on, you know, say Edmonton, right? And you see, oh, Connor McDavid scored. You can still watch the video individually, but now there's an ad. There's an ad, and you used to be able to pay for it, so there was no ad, and now you can't do that, which is bullshit, too. So Money. 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 But, but still, I mean, not enough people are paying for it. I mean, come on. That's just extra money in matter. their pocket. Look at, look at the athletic. I'm not trying to bash it, but you yeah. we bought that because it didn't have ads and it wasn't monopolized. And now the New York Times buys them. You can't scroll two scrolls without having a giant ad across the middle of your article. Yep, and that is where we're gonna end the night bitching about stuff. So it's like the old days, guys. Uh, we're in here bitching. I just want to end it actually by saying congratulations to David Prawn on his 1,000th game. He scores a goal. It was a great game for him, and uh, he has been a very, very integral part of this team. So, and he, I think, will be going forward. And I could actually see him getting re-signed too. But I want to end tonight uh, with final thoughts, and we are going to start with Ryan since he was here first, and it took Tyler Ferber to show. Up. Yeah, suck it. Uh, no, big couple games going up. Uh, got Carolina tomorrow, so hopefully we are out before that game. And then Minnesota, so back-to-back games against tough opponents. And then Ottawa on Saturday, which I will be at, thankfully. That was originally a game that Chelsea and I picked out post-baby to have a little – it's a day game. That's a 1 o'clock start for those that aren't aware on uh, Saturday the 17th. So, but no, there's – I've, it's been a, a mix of good and confusing hockey so far this month, but I think they're still on a good path. If they can, I think the best case scenario for this team is hovering around that number two wildcard spot. If they can be right there and maintain and steal some points from some of these good teams, especially the remainder of this month, we're going to be having some pretty interesting conversations come trade deadline. But even if not, again, I'm treating this like the Lions season. And really, the Lions every year is just whatever. But whatever happens, happens this year. Next year is where that expectation is going to jump tremendously. So either way, we're having good. It's fun hockey to to talk about. They need to score more goals, though, and not be hurt. So that'd be nice. Hopefully, Fabry's back sooner than later. But it sounds like he's still on track for January. So other than that, already ran 33. Tyler? Yeah, I I, I think you're kind of selling this season a little short. I like I, I kind of agree with you. Whatever happens, happens. But I will say one thing. They did put some resources into this season. So for them to be where they're at and still kind of fighting for a playoff spot, that's where you want to be. That that ideally is, is the situation you want to be in. Obviously, if you can win, you know, get to the playoffs, that's that's better. But I mean, that that that's the only pushback I have on that. I mean, I, I still expect them to be in it. They put money into this team. They they sign guys. Uh, there's no reason why this team can't at least be playing important games in March and April, and that's what we're looking for at this point. Um, so that's pretty much what I have. Um, uh, other than that, I mean, final thoughts. You know, you have a couple games here uh, with Carolina and Minnesota. I mean, those are – I mean, Carolina's a measuring stick kind of game. You know, that, that Carolina team is really good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know they haven't – played their best hockey but 
they're still a very good team. They have one of the best teams, one of the best rosters in the NHL. And so, I mean, that's, that's a telltale sign. And then you have Minnesota who I know they're, they're not one of the better teams in the league right now, but they have some good players and they have flurry and, and, you know, again, another road game where you can take two points. So those are my final thoughts. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter for hosting our podcast. We also also like to give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use a promo code Grindline at Howie's Hockey Tape, you will get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code on Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12%. Please go sub to us on YouTube. Uh, now they're using at handles on YouTube. So it's like youtube.com slash at grindline pod. You can get like directly to our thing. Yeah, that's a new thing they started like last month. Um, but we are on there. So go sub to us, turn on those notifications. You can see our beautiful faces on YouTube. And uh, if you could go to redbubble.com and search the grindline, you will find all of our merch there. They are running sales throughout the holiday season. So you can get some Christmas shopping done on there as well but that is going to do it for us tonight so for ryan and tyler i am greg you stay classy hockey tom